What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week's edition of the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. We're coming to you on our regularly scheduled night. One of us is not at an epic concert this week. Uh, I am your co-host, Rusty Buckets, checking in tonight with my infamous esteemed colleague, Mr. Drew Gann. How are you, sir? Man, I am doing well. I have been battling a cold, and I feel like I'm coming out on the other side of it, so if I sound a little nasally or if I forget to mute my mic uh, when I sneeze, just please forgive me. Uh, I know you guys think this is a professional work of art, um, and you are correct, except for maybe tonight. So, uh, yeah, everything's good on my end. I'm not going to lie, Rusty. I don't really have much FOMO anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as I got o- as I've gotten older, I've kind of just enjoyed, you know, time at the house with the family and whatnot, and seeing things that other people do don't really make me super jealous anymore. But I was very jealous when you started sending me pictures of watch or sending me videos of you watching Need to Breathe in a small venue mm. in South Carolina last Wednesday night. I it was I told you in the text message, I can't watch these. <laughs> it was the perfect atmosphere. Yeah. And if it was like any night other than Wednesday that I could justify like a long weekend or something, like I'd have been right there with you. <laughs> I it's just how do you make a Wednesday work yeah. when driving ten hours? Yeah. You know, it was absolutely the perfect venue for Need to Breathe. We're both big fans of theirs, and hopefully our, our listeners are. If not, check them out. They're incredible. I'll link them in uh, on our social media uh, so y'all can hear them. They're, just, they're such a good rock band with a good sound and soul. And the House of Blues was a perfect venue for them. We, you know, we kind of positioned over on the, on the stage left side, kind of pretty close, and just was in a prime spot, man. Position A, right near the bar, right near the the stage. There was a big group of us there. It was awesome, awesome time. They played all their hits. They played a couple of new songs off their new album. And if any, if it's anything like those two songs, man, it's going to be an awesome album. They don't miss. They all are. The coolest things. They played all the favorites. Anytime they play "Washed by the Water," that's my song oh, of, of theirs. I love yeah. that song. I, yeah, I lose my mind. And of course, they played it. They played when he played Sunshine. Uh, Bear came out into the audience and was walking around, shaking hands. I think I sent you that video. He got close, but not right to us. But the coolest thing they did, <clears throat> excuse me, is in their encore, they came out and they said, All right, we're going to try something we haven't done before with this song. And they unplugged all their guitars and instruments and put their mics back and said, We need y'all to be quiet, <clears throat> but we're going to sing Carolina. Carolina acoustic with no help i got chills thinking about it man it was so good they crushed it and then house of blues the concerts have to be over like around 10 and this is already 1005 1008 well they finish up carolina and they're getting ready to go and everybody starts yelling something beautiful something beautiful they knew they knew so bear was like and he's like all right hang on let me get the course and so he played he's He's oh like, right. please! Don't <laughs> tell to, me he doesn't know that. Song. He had to think about it apparently, and so he got the chorus down, and then they sang just the chorus and just absolutely rocked it, man! It was such a good performance. They're so good to see live, and that was the perfect. The only thing would have been better would have been an outdoor small venue like that, right? But it was a great venue for him because they absolutely rocked for an hour and a half. It's great. You know, right? I can't remember if it was right before. 
I guess it was right before Haley and I got married. Uh, we got married December of 21. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, December of 20. 20, 20. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know your wedding date better okay. than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it was after we got married. Either way, it's not important to the story. The story goes, we went and saw him in Jackson. Haley bought some tickets, and uh, I've, of course, always been a huge fan of Need to Breathe. It's, they're my favorite band. And this was their first full sold out concert outdoors since COVID. Mm. So it was in Jackson, Mississippi at the Brandon Amphitheater and you could tell the energy on the stage that it was just such a breath of fresh air and he was just like they didn't want to get off the stage so they had done their whole set and then he just barely just gets on the microphone and was just like you know we're not done yet we're having a blast we've missed this so much we're going to do an acoustic set for you <laughs> and just went full acoustic. Now, it was not an intimate environment, right? but it was incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, they, they played, because he, he comes on, he kind of teased, teased it up, and he said, we've got a new album coming. We promise. We don't know when, but it's coming. Right. And he said, um, so we'll play, and they'd already played one song off of it, Ever Known, which they just released, which is a great song, if you hadn't heard it yet. And he said, we're going to play another one. He said, but <clears throat> if it's all right with y'all, we're going to play a bunch of the old stuff tonight and immediately went into uh white fences and drive all night and banks i'm just like "Ah." (laughs) well you know the song banks i it brings tears to my eyes every time i hear it now that uh i've always told rusty i said i've got a tattoo design i just need to go and do it and have it you know touched up professionally get an actual artist to Mm-hmm. To uh, to do it for me, but the chorus is, "I want to hold you close, but never hold you back, like the banks of a river." And if you think you're not good enough, I'm going to break all your mirrors. And that was like the first song that played after we had our daughter, and I was just like, as a father to a daughter now, <laughs> it was it just melts me. And yeah. so uh, we're going maybe one day I'll do my I, when I get my tattoo I'll do the podcast with my shirt off. Oh, I love it. And then we'll really <laughs> drive the YouTube views through the roof. I have to put that thing age restricted, man. We're going to have some folks stumbling out there. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, but yeah. But yeah, I'm glad you, glad you had fun, but I was jealous and uh, I, I hate to say it. Yeah, just know that uh, it was a great time and can't wait to go back and watch them again. And I, think I was that already makes us even now. Is this your third time seeing them? <laughs> yeah, it was. I thought, yeah, yeah so third time. Yep. Yeah, I've seen them three times. The only band I've seen more, can you name it? Surviving Allison? Uh, that doesn't count. <laughs> that is Drew's <laughs> rock band, for those of you listening <laughs> home that don't know. That was the band that he toured the country as a part of. Um, let's see. <clears throat> You'll be like, oh, yeah, of course, when you hear it. Is it a band Zach or is Brown it a person? Band. Nah, Zach Brown. Zach man. Brown I, was, band. I was between that or I've Stapleton. I've seen Zach so, Brown yeah. four times. Yeah. And they put on a great show if you ever get to see them. Oh, they do. They're a fantastic show. But I was looking to need to breathe tickets for this fall. They're going back on tour. Never been to Savannah, Georgia. So thinking about maybe making a trip to Savannah, kind of parlaying a Savannah trip and a need to breathe show in yeah. October. We'll see. Um, hey, but definitely. Hey, make that happen yeah. because Haley's sister lives about 30 minutes north of Savannah into oh in South Carolina. It could be a boys' night. Done. If, you know, so we'll, Done. we'll make that happen. Done. Two Let's go. Sports Podcast sees Need to Breathe in Savannah, Georgia. On the road. Let's go. I'm here for it. <laughs> awesome. 
All right, man. So we've been having fun with this segment. We've been enjoying, or at least I have been, and I, I know I've gotten some comments and some friends are just in, enjoying our banter around our trivia questions. So I've got a few tonight that are a little bit more pointed. We've got some college football theme because we got some college football topics I want to cover tonight, and we're inching ever closer to college football season being upon it's us. The- Unofficial start of college football season this week, Let's which go. I think is bogus. Don't yeah. talk. Don't tell me it's the unofficial start when I still have a month and a half to go. Right, uh, but guys, we got a lot of college football content that we're going to do. That's going to be coming out from team previews and uh, comparing coaches to serials and a lot of different things we've got planned. So just hang in there. I think this is going to be a fun fall heading into college football. But we'll start with kind of a warm up sports question. Maybe not so pointed at college football, but uh, Drew, can you name? The top five most watched sporting events worldwide. So we're not talking about just in America. The top five worldwide sporting events that are most watched. Okay. So we're talking like viewership number on TV. Okay. Is there multiple answers the same? So, for instance, my first guess is the World Cup. That's number two. Okay. It, are any of these like number two and number four? Like, because it wouldn't surprise me if there were three World Cup matches that were in the top five. No, no, no. So this is like a broad brushstroke. Okay. Right. So it's gotcha. the world, not World Cup matches. The, the the entirety of the World Cups, the number two most watched sporting event in the world. Yeah, the Olympics. Which one? Oh, uh, well, which one was in twenty three? Uh, was that the, uh, the? We just had those winter. the winter. Yeah. Was it the Winter Olympics? So that's number five. Okay, so the Summer Olympics is number four. <laughs> okay, so we and got two left. These two the are Super Bowl. It is not the Super Bowl. We're talking worldwide. I, I understand. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, so worldwide is. I'll be impressed, especially one of them. I'll be real impressed. Cricket. Oh my gosh, that's number three. <laughs> the Cricket <laughs> World Cup's huge. number three. It's it, huge it, overseas. It, it is. It's big in India and even in England. Yeah. Uh, they, they've got a huge following. And anytime you can capture the whole country of India, you're going to yeah. make a statement. You right. Know? Right. Uh, so what's the number one most watched sporting event in the world? Number one. So I'm missing number one. Missing the most watched out of all sporting events across the globe. Oh, man. I feel like I've hit the, the high ones, but I'm missing something obvious. Um. All right, I'm gonna start throwing some at the wall and see if it sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, a golf major. No. Okay, it's a good I didn't guess, think, but no. I didn't think that would be the case. Good guess. Um, it's a little bit more obscure. It's not a. It's not a prime sport that you would think. But when you hear Wimbledon? it, no, it's not Wimbledon. When you hear it, you're gonna be. It's gonna make sense. Uh, the Daytona 500. <laughs> Let's go. That's, that's the number one in America. <laughs> yeah, that's the number one in Tennessee, by God. Uh, shoot. Uh, you may have stumped me on this one because hey. obscure, like, I, or uh, not I, obscure, but. It's one of those things like you would watch it if it was on TV, but it's probably going to be on early in the morning, or you'll catch some of the late stages, or. It happens in Europe. There's several stages For, to it. Uh, the Tour de France? Tour de France is the number one most watched no sporting way. event worldwide. Uh, the, the, that invalidates the whole list. <laughs> I mean, there's no possible way that that many people care about 
the Tour de France. Let's see. I'm looking up the exact numbers now. I, I had it the other I, day. I, I believe you. So don't take it as a shot at you. <laughs> no, no, I, I hear just, you. I did the I, research, man. I know I what's can't, up. I can't. I can say honestly, I remember Lance Armstrong's prime. I never watched the Tour de France. So they get more than 15 million spectators in person and over 1 billion, with a B, television viewers worldwide every year. Boy, you think, you know, there's people in the world that think NASCAR is boring. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't watch people I mean, riding a bike. These, peop- these people don't even, like, they're not even racing for the finish line. They just yeah. time everything, and and the the winner a lot of times in the middle of the pack. You right. Know, it's just like there's. Uh, it's the most. Know. It just doesn't they feel. They get the a yellow jacket. Weird. Yeah. When I mean, it's just garbage all the way around. Yeah, it's just a. It's a wild thing, but apparently, people. I mean, you think about all the countries that are represented there, all the people that show up. I mean, it's it's a worldwide sport more so than even golf and probably even things like cricket, even soccer that are played everywhere. But like, there are countries. Every country just about is represented out there, and it's just a sport everybody can get behind, I guess. But you know, one I've that's never caught my interest. Uh, I can't remember the name of the <coughs> tour that he does, but he's in—he's my dad's first cousin, so I think he's actually older than my dad. So he's early sixties probably, but he has always been big into cycling. And last year, or maybe t- no, last year, he started in Washington State and went all the way to Washington D.C. in a—it's basically like a two-week-long cross-country bike ride. And then you keep up with them on the internet. They they put chips in them. Do you see where they're at? And it was really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. This year he started it and made it about a week, I think, and had a um, what's it called when your intestines kind of fold? Oh, uh, in, an it's like an in, yeah, or insusception when they kind of fold yeah. over one another. And had to be like hospitalized in one of the midwestern states somewhere, and had to fly home. Didn't get to finish. But you're talking about like an Iron Man. That isn't. Yeah. That's impressive. To we be had able to do that. somebody come by the Pauly's Island Clinic, one of my clinics here on the south end of Myrtle Beach, that was doing something similar. They're going from California and then up to New York or Maine. I forget where they were going, right. but just how far he'd been on the bike. And my thought was, my man probably is rank. Like I know he probably stops oh. and, and showers well, here and there. Outside. Yeah, yeah, but uh, he is. He, I bet his clothes could stand up by themselves as much as they've been through. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, when they when he made it to his finish line last year, they had a cooler full of Michelob Ultra <laughs> waiting for him. <laughs> so, That's uh, funny. All right, I would have never guessed that the Tour de France was the number one watched sporting event. Over a billion viewers worldwide, and I can tell you that I know two that miss it every year, <laughs> or whenever well, it comes I, out. I could tell you right now. I don't even know when it is. There's about seven billion people in the world, so one in seven uh, watched the Tour de France. I couldn't name you one person that I know that watches it. Yeah, same. So we got some anyway. closet Tour de France fans out there. So if you were one of those, you're listening. Comment on our video on Instagram. Tell us that you watch Tour de France because we need to know. We have questions. <laughs> and if you make a good enough case, we may have to bring you on here to justify it because I don't get it. I don't get it. I want to know why you what you find in it that you'll watch. I'll I watch. did. Did you watch Wimbledon this weekend? You know, I, I did, told you I do I love did. Wimbledon. Man, Alcaraz is yeah. so good. That guy is like the Energizer Bunny. He never runs out of energy. Well, and see, that was the thing for tennis fans. That was the thing that Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal always were. You know, 
uh, Roger Federer was the purebred, and I was always a big uh, Rafa fan. Uh, and the thing about Rafa was that you would not outwork him. Yeah, he was. It was like hitting against a brick wall. You couldn't get anything past him. He was quick. He was quick twitch, fast. He could get to anything. And Djokovic was kind of a mixture of the two. But you just again couldn't get anything past him. And to see a twenty-year-old uh, upset him in five sets, doing kind of what Djokovic does. Just kind of made you wonder if he, Djokovic was losing a step, and Djokovic is thirty six years old. So if he's losing a step, that's just you know yeah. father time yeah. working. You know, no, nobody's ever beat him before. Mm-hmm. So that was his that was his first loss at eight straight Wimbledon finals attempts. Something like is that, that, right? I think it was something like that. That was his he either had, like seven or eight in a row Wimbledon finals he had won. That was his first loss since twenty thirteen. Yeah, so, since 2013. Yeah, so he had won four straight uh, four straight Wimbledon titles over five years because COVID wiped right. out 2020s. He had not lost a match on center court, which is the main, uh, the main state tennis stadium at Wimbledon. Uh, he had not lost at that court since 2013. Mm. And considering most of the time he's either the number one, two, or three ranked player this whole time, most of his matches have been at center court. Yeah. You know, especially in prime time. Right. So, uh, hats off Djokovic. Uh, yeah. I hate to see it. I mean, he was always – it was Rafa versus Federer, so I always rooted against Federer uh, because as a Rafa fan. And it always seemed like Djokovic got Rafa and Federer fans – banded together just to keep that third party down you know <laughs> it's like the whole two-party system like republicans and democrats also want the independent squashed right you know <laughs> and so uh i just i kind of hate to see that his era has continued going because he's now uh got more majors than anybody in the world and he's going to run away with it because rafa and fetter obviously is retired right uh so he he will be it i was talking to my dad who was uh Sunday we were watching it and he in the 80s and 90s he was a huge tennis fan him and my mom got into tennis when after they got married and he was I was telling him I was like you know I've grown up in the golden age of tennis and he scoffed at the idea he's like oh no John McEnroe is the greatest to ever play tennis and John McEnroe and Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi I said we I said I did not live in the in the greatest American age of tennis, but I've lived in the greatest age of tennis because the three greatest tennis players all played at the same time when I starting when I was a kid until now, really. Yeah. And so he was just kind of barking at me about it. Like, nah, nobody's better than John McEnroe. So I pulled it up, and I said, how many majors do you think John McEnroe has? And he's like, uh, I don't know, uh, 10, 12. I said, all right, well, how many do you think Novak Djokovic has? He's like, I don't know, 15. I said, he's got 24. <laughs> John McEnroe has seven. So, yeah, they're not in the same ballpark. No. It just so. shows that, you know, that tennis is going to be in good hands going forward with Alcaraz and some of these young guys. He's going oh, to be yeah. he's going to be the future wave of it. But, you know, you made a comment earlier about Father Time catching up with Jokovic at, uh, at 36. And I saw a funny tweet this week, and it made me laugh. It said, 
you know, me watching professional athletes retire in their 30s. Like, they're so young. Why do they have so much life ahead of them? Me getting up off the couch. Okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it seems so young. I'm 31, and there are players that have flamed out of every major sport by the time they are my age. Yeah. And, you know, Derrick Rose is like – your age, if not yeah. younger. No, we're about the same age because he, he was in college in 08. His, his freshman year was in 08. That was my junior year, so yeah. Yeah. So, um, so pretty close. But, yeah, so back to the task at hand. We've got okay. questions to ask. We've got people that need to know the answers. So i got a couple college football trivia uh, rankings. So we're got kind of – I like the lists. I feel like it gives mm-hmm. you some options and stuff. So we're looking at the longest active bowl appearance streaks in college football. We've got seven – that are double digits. <clears throat> Give me the top seven longest active bowl appearance streaks. Wisconsin. Is number three at 21. It's a good guess. Um, Ohio State. Is not one. Alabama. Number four at 19. Georgia. Number one at 26. So Georgia, I'm missing number two. Yep. Um... Let me think. It barely got extended last year, the number two team. Yeah. It barely got extended. Meaning they weren't great last year, but they made a bowl. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, 24. Oh, is that so, the one you were thinking about? Mm-hmm. So you've got three. You've got the, the top four. There's Mississippi you, State. 13. Yeah, I I knew that. I knew they would been on a, a roll. Just putting that out yeah, there. They've been to thirteen straight belt bowls. Congratulations. <laughs> I didn't say quality of bowl, I just said bowl <laughs> yeah, appearances, yeah. right? We may be going to the Liberty Bowl. We may be going to the Independence Bowl or the yeah. Cheese It Bowl, but Dagummit, we're there. <laughs> yeah. Congrats. Um let's see. Um So you got two more. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of uh, SEC schools. So they're, just, the last two are not SEC schools. Okay. Um, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi State are the only SEC schools. You got two. Clemson. Clemson is uh, fifth at not, at 18, one behind Alabama and one ahead of this other team. This one's surprising to me a little bit. If you think about it, it's not. But it was this one was probably the most surprising to me on this list. Okay. So. <clears throat> Is it a powerhouse? It uh, yes, it's not Is one it, of the blue bloods, but it's a consistently good team. Michigan. It's not Michigan. Um, Iowa. Not Iowa, but you're getting uh, warmer. It, I could have swore it. I thought I hit it there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Iowa was trash last year, weren't they? Bad. <laughs> so, um, so if I'm in, I'm assuming that means I'm in the right area. Um, the geographical region of the United States. All right. So, around Iowa, you've got uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota. So you're getting colder Illinois. going that direction. So we're in the Midwest, and they're actually a bitter rival of one of the teams on this list. Oh, good grief. I mean, the other teams on this list that's in that area, Oklahoma State. There it is, with 17 consecutive bowl appearances. Mike Gundy has had them good for a while. They're one of the teams you don't really think about being that good. Um, 
It makes sense. But they're, they're year in and year out consistent. They may, they're never undefeated, but they usually get seven, eight, nine wins every right. year. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah. Always has them ready. Yeah. <laughs> he's it, a good coach. He's he a good did, coach. He's a wild guy, but he's a good coach. Yeah. You know, I the. Agree. But all football coaches are wild. Uh, they got to have personalities, right? I mean, we're not all that far removed from CCU's coach saying, I don't need no kitty cats. I need some dogs. And yeah, so you get some personalities, and, and Mike Gundy is no different. You know, the, the epic tirade, if you haven't seen him in Living Under a Rock, where he just goes nuclear on this guy, this writer who's going after his quarterback, and, and I'm a man, I'm 40, write about me. And yeah. just it was just one of the epic meltdowns at a press conference. Nobody wants ever to see. read about you, Mike. That's why we're writing about the quarterback. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. It probably it probably means a lot to his players that he yeah. was ready to to fight for them, which is the reason why they do this. It's all about yeah. posturing and hundred percent how you can pitch it to recruits. And that's why uh, baseball managers get kicked out of games. It's all about just that posturing and proving to your team you're fighting for your team and that you're in this for your team. Right. All right. All right what, what else you got for me? The last one, and this is going to be a great segue into one of our topics for tonight. The most vacated wins of all time in college football. Ole Miss. Is number two with 33. LSU. Number one with 37. Tennessee. Is number, tied for number nine with 11. There's 13 teams here with the most all, and number Miami. 13 has one. Miami is not on the list. Oh, okay. Florida is not on the list. All right, who's been in Auburn? I was shocked, but they're not in on the top of this list. They cheat better than everybody. That's it. They just cheat Alabama. better than everybody. It's number 3 with 21. They're tied with another team Thanks, at Albert 21. Means. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh Fat Phil Fulmer. <laughs> yeah. Uh shoot, man. Uh who it's, win- it's bad when what while you're thinking it's so bad Auburn another- hasn't vacated any wins but they had a TV ban at one mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. but they didn't vacate any wins no uh, not according to my source at college football home uh, they did okay. not um while you're thinking about that that anonymous source that got Alabama USC. in trouble was fat Phil Fulmer reporting all the dirty laundry that Alabama did about Albert Means and USC is number 6 with 14 yeah Reggie Bush mm-hmm. uh uh, a couple of these are fairly surprising. Um, we've got some old traditional powerhouses. I just I'm trying to think of NCAA cases that mm-hmm. there was uh, a big one on the East Coast. That's the number five team with the 16. Big cheating scandal. Um, pay for high, uh, tutors for hire. Take a test for athletes. It was football, baseball, or football, basketball, and uh, one other sport on the East Coast. This has been relatively recent. And some of our listeners in my geographic region might be a fan of this team's basketball or football team. North Carolina. University of North Carolina was 16 is the fifth yeah. most vacated wins of all time because of that textbook cheating scandal that they had. Right. Um, they right. had a bunch of players that didn't. Julius Peppers did not take any exams when he was in North Carolina. Uh, right. So they vacated 16 wins. So we've got the top six. You got LSU, Ole Miss, Alabama, Notre Dame, North Carolina, USC. And then you got one of the ninth place teams in Tennessee. Yeah, I uh, I don't even really know where to where to guess. Uh, so you were close when you guessed Florida earlier and Miami. There's Florida, another one in that state. state. Florida State is yeah. seventh with twelve. They're tied with another traditional blue blood uh, with twelve. 
Michigan, Ohio State. Ohio State. I think Maurice Claret and all that uh, yeah. going on is there. So the rest of them, um, I'll be impressed. You got Tennessee. They're tied at number Just nine. Just give them to me. We got Syracuse and Tennessee tied at nine with 11 vacated wins. SMU is 11th with 10, which makes sense. They got the death penalty. Then from here, we've got at number 12, we've got California and Arkansas State. Thank you. Uh, that would be Hugh Freeze. Four. No, he didn't get in trouble at Arkansas State. Well, somebody did because they vacated four wins. And then the Ramblin' Wreck from Georgia Tech might be a hell of an engineer, but they've vacated one win <laughs> coming in 13th. <laughs> yeah. Uh, vacating wins has got to be up there with the dumbest punishment for any penalty that you can put on somebody. Like, you can't erase my memory because right. God help me, I wish you could, <laughs> that I, if I, if you were able to figure out a way to wipe 4th and 25 away from me, of course that was a loss, but it just wiped the whole season away is fine. Uh, yeah. I just, it's so dumb. Like, what's the point? Yeah. Who, nobody looks at record books for win totals. And it's silly because Reggie and if Bush. You Google, if you Google the 2015 Ole Miss record, it's going to say 9-3. and three. It's not going to say 0-3. Uh, and three. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. It's the same with Reggie Bush and his Heisman. Like, why are we taking away a trophy that they've already won as a punishment? All that's doing is just, it looks silly. It really, it's just a petty, well, you know, we're going to take away these wins because you was cheating when you did it. But, like, yeah. You punish him with scholarships, punish him with other ways, like make it hurt the team. But it's just, it feels very, like, just pompous. Like, oh, we're going to take away your wins. You're punishing fans yeah. when, you, when you vacate wins, and especially when you make them take down banners. Right. Like, there's no reason why uh, the Memphis Tigers should not have a national championship runner-up banner because 100%. Derrick Rose cheated on his ACT. Well, technically he oh. didn't. Somebody else took it for him. <laughs> he never actually took okay, it. Okay, <laughs> if somebody takes your test for you, is that cheating? Or? I think it's just omission is what it is. <laughs> um, so, it's just stupid. Yeah. Like, that's – we. I've got thoughts on the NCAA, and uh, if you want to – I don't know when you want to get into this, but – well, uh, you just it, se- you'll segue, set me up. Yeah, it's, it's the segue yeah. coming up, but um, we'll kind of get into it now. For those of you keeping up at home, we had a pretty stiff penalty handed down this past week on the University of Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt uh, specifically for his role. And Drew, I know you've heard some of this, but some of his right, role just t- in tell me what the penalties are. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right here. So basically, according to the NCAA, Tennessee committed 18 level one recruiting violations and over 200 violations, just regular violations during the Jeremy Pruitt era. They gave away about $60,000 worth of impermissible benefits during the dead period, during the COVID non-contact time. So during those different times. So the penalties are, there's no postseason ban, which I've got some thoughts on that. They definitely wanted that SEC TV deal to be a thing and have another SEC team in a bowl game. So there's no postseason ban for Tennessee, but they're fined $8 million. They're on five years of probation. They've had 28 scholarships taken away, which Tennessee had already self-imposed a 16 scholarship reduction. So it's just 12, 16, or so it's 28 total. And Tennessee had already taken away 16. And so they just had 12 additional scholarships over the next five years that they're vacating. 
And then finally, Jeremy Pruitt is given a six-year show calls, meaning he can't be hired by a college football staff without having to prove justification why he should be hired. One of the recruiting assistants got a 10-year show calls, basically eliminating his ability to coach in college football for the probably the rest of his career. So it's a pretty stiff penalty, but it did not it didn't ban him from postseason play. And Tennessee was already heading in the right direction with the 16 self-imposed scholarship ban, uh, vacating. And so now it's just 12 additional over the next five years. All right. So 18 level one violations, 200 in total. They ended up fi- unearthing all of this because the assistants that you're talking about text about it on their school-issued phones. phones. Yeah. And some of and the so text messages were pretty... Yeah, and so they those school-issued phones, since they're state-issued, are subject to Freedom of Information Act requests. Yeah. And so they just turned over all phone records, and it is like the, one of the assistant coaches, the ones that got 10-year show calls, asked somebody for their Venmo. Right. Like, just stupid, yeah. egregious careless stuff and even kept saying like this is so illegal this is so shady and then they talked about paying darnell washington a massive amount of money knowing that good and well he was still probably going to end up at georgia and he did so they didn't even cheat well enough to get him on their team right so um here's the deal uh i can go a lot of ways with this first off shame on the ncaa yep uh it's this is not a problem anymore. No. So this was the you have watched the last case get tried for impermissible benefits in college football. I believe that. Uh, Outside the, of those recruiting dead periods where you can't contact. That's what them. I was going to say. Yep. So uh, the only place they can have teeth really is if you're not con- if you're contacting people when you shouldn't. Right. And shame on Tennessee because. They were bringing people on visits during the COVID dead period. Like there weren't people at schools. Like right. you were, you were not. Nobody was be, on campus. You were not. I don't know if you remember 2020 very much, but <laughs> oh, you yeah. weren't even allowed to shake hands. Mm-mm. And they were bringing these kids parties with their traveling parties to campus. Yeah. Uh, when everybody else had kind of, and I'm sure everybody was doing it, but you know. Secondly, Ole Miss in. 2015 was finally after an eight year investigation into their program in which they found some Houston Nut ACT problems uh, they found Laramie Tunsil got a loaner car not even a vehicle look at the row of Camaros at Alabama the guy at the Ford dealership at Cannon uh, at Cannon Motors in Oxford gave Laramie Tunsil a loaner car for what they deemed to be too long. He slept on Chris Kiffin's couch during a recruiting visit and he got $500 cash. That's what they proved. You can Mm -hmm. say they they did more. Of course they did. This is about what they proved. And they gave Ole Miss uh, Ole Miss had 15 level 1 violations. They gave them a 2 year bowl ban. (laughs) And so, what? Part of me is just like, you know, screw you guys. Uh, I'm 
glad that you have no teeth anymore, and yep. it's not never been more apparent than what you just gave Tennessee. Hundred percent. Now the scholarships hurt. Yep. But I don't care anything about. Uh, eight million dollars is chump change. Eight million dollars. They paid SEC. that for a, a seventeen-year-old quarterback in high school. Absolutely. So I don't care about that. I don't care about Pruitt's show calls. They fired him for cause. So that doesn't even bother them. He's not. He doesn't affect he'll go, Tennessee. He'll anymore. land on an NFL squad as an assistant somewhere and be yeah. there for the duration of that. No, that's yeah. no big deal. He's a good defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, Two hundred violations, just blatant and arrogant disregard for the rules that were in place at the time. Yep. I'm glad that those rules are irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that two, that Tennessee is not serving a two-year bowl ban. 100%. Because no one – the problem the problem with Ole Miss is Ole Miss let them in the house, challenged them. Hugh Freeze challenged them publicly to come after me. I ain't done nothing wrong, and don't talk bad about these these men on their big day. He challenged them publicly on Twitter. And then he challenged them in the IPF when they came to town and when, and had words for them. And then they chose to cooperate and have, for the duration of Hugh Freeze's tenure at Ole Miss, he was being investigated the whole time. Yep. And it's because uh, it was because Ross Bjork and Lee Tyner and all those people up in the athletic office with law degrees thought it would be best to cooperate and they cooperated and then were executed. Got busted wide it's, open. And it is the dumbest, most nonsensical thing that anybody with a shred of common sense would tell you is stupid. Yeah. But the NCAA being what the NCAA is and fighting for their own lives and to prove that they have teeth made an example out of Ole Miss regardless of the the charges against them. Mm-hmm. And because they have no governing, you know, they were going to lose. It, it was inevitable what has happened with the NCAA. Yeah. Somebody would challenge them in court and they would lose. They have lost every single court case they've ever they've ever been involved in, starting with Ed O'Bannon and, and uh, the college football games. And it's just the it's the good old boy network. It's one of the most corrupt in all of sports governance. Right up there with uh, uh, was it FIBA and um, what's the soccer one? FIFA. One of the, some of the most corrupt organizations in sports. Just picking and choosing because Jeremy Pruitt's lawyer has came out and said, "Okay, that's fine, but we have bank records of what he did at Alabama, and this is chump change compared to that." And that's that's just the thing. That's the thing. Like it's this like, is not this is so, small fish. Uh. They have no morality to them at all. There's no, no ethics to them at all. Because you know they're not going to go after did, Alabama and Nick Saban. Well, you if know they did, not. if this was a court of law, and you, uh, what's the cat's name? The big tight end went to Georgia. Darnell Washington. Darnell Washington. If I'm in a court of law and I'm being accused of paying Darnell Washington five million dollars, but Darnell Washington went to Georgia, that begs the question, does it not? Why he went to Georgia? 100%. Should we not ask that question? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bird in the hand. We've got you by the tail here. 
and we're going to whoop you senseless because we can. And it's and always it, been that way. It's always been we're going to pick and choose what we can do. Even back to the SMU, I don't know if you watched that. Uh, I'm sure you did, uh, and our listeners, I hope you did as well, the Pony Express 30 for 30, where they talk about all the recruiting violations that SMU made, but what they were doing is they were just competing with Notre Dame. They were competing with Texas and Alabama for these kids, and when it, it got awry is when a small school like SMU started beating out the Blue Bloods for these players, the Eric Dickersons and the Craig James back then beat these blue bloods out, then the NCAA cracks down on SMU because we can't have that. So they're very much going to protect the blue bloods. That's always been a known fact, and that's exactly what this is. We can get Tennessee. You nailed it, man. A bird in the hand is better than a bird in the bush. We've got evidence that we can get Tennessee even though in the roundabout way through that, we implicated Alabama and Georgia, but we're going to leave them alone. Yeah, and and I'm not I'm not I think that the NCAA would have loved to get Alabama. I think that would be a pelt on the wall that they've always craved. But they're they can't handle it. But they they have no subpoena power. No. They have they can only get what you give them. And then what are you going to do? If you if you cooperate or cooperate with the NCAA, you will die. Yeah, and what are they going to get? They're going to give Alabama one of the biggest brands in all of sports, a bowl ban? You really think they're going to make Alabama and Nick Saban sit at home when there's a good chance they're going to be one of the final four to six teams in the country vying for a playoff spot with one of the biggest followings out of any sporting team? They're going to give them a bowl ban? That's not happening. Oh, man. well, I'm going to tell you right now, Ole Miss got the last bowl ban that will ever be handled. That 100%. Yeah, 100%. Uh they, Especially with these lucrative TV deals what, now. Yeah, that's who runs football. Yeah, like you, we need to quit pretending like the NCAA had any. They they did not have the horses to line up and win a fight against ESPN no. or CBS or NBC. Because I guarantee you yeah. that a bowl ban was on the table, and ESPN called them up and said, "Absolutely not. We have this massive deal to show all SEC." bowl games and so you're going to take away one of those it's probably going to be an upper level bowl game for the next couple right. of years because Hypel has them pointing in the right direction it could be an outback or sugar bowl or better and you're going to take that away that's absolutely not happening when there are millions of dollars on the table right and like i said this is all a moot point because unless they i think they could probably get you for some academic fraud and they could probably get you for some uh dead period mm-hmm. contact but all this money that we're talking about now, uh, one, over. it's more than it <laughs> used to be. Yeah. And it is laid out in the job description when yeah. you visit. What Which is, we know what it's going to take. And we've got the guys to pay you. And guess yeah. what? It's legal. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Brings up another point about this. You're talking about more money. Did you listen to, shout out Chris Vernon, the Chris Vernon Show. Did you listen to his podcast with Gary Parrish from last week when he had GP on? I think it was like Monday or Wednesday last week. I think so, so GP was talking about memory. he was talking about like paying athletes through the NIL deals and what athletes are actually getting on the open market. And so GP Gary Parrish was talking about uh, he's a college basketball junkie. That's what he does. He writes for CBS. He has a big college basketball show. I remember him. He was my drive home guy when I lived in Memphis on ESPN Radio, and he did this segment called Harvard or Horn Lake, which was a great trivia question. If you said Harvard, you got a harder like stats math question. If you said Horn Lake, you got an easier geographical question. But anyway, it was hilarious. But I digress. He was having a drink with a well-known college basketball coach, one Bill Self, who has won a national championship in the last couple of years and been a very competitive coach for a long time. 
And he asked him, he's like, Bill, what about these numbers? Like, what are these kids actually fetching? And he said that the numbers are wild. He said, it's the wild west out there. And the numbers that you're hearing, he said, take them, cut them in half, and then cut them in half again. He said, so if a kid is getting, claiming that he's getting 500,000 on the open market, there's a good chance it's only 125, which is still great money, but it's not as much as they say it is. Everything is smoking mirrors right now because there's no regulation, because there's no cap or anything like that. They can say what they want. They can promote what they want. And all it is is kids trying to get it back. But in reality, most of these kids are getting 20, 30, 40, 50,000, not the hundreds and thousands. There are exceptions. I'm sure Caleb Williams, I'm sure Bronny James, or these guys are calling a big penny but right. most most of these kids are getting five, ten, twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh, I think it's probably more than that. But depending but on the kid, it's not. It's not always hundreds of thousands. Yeah, it depends on the kid and like you know the Bulldog Initiative or, or the initiatives at Ole Miss are going to be different than other schools. But uh, pockets are deep, and I'm sure they're spreading that money out a little bit. But it's not and quite gotta, what they. For football, you got to probably take half it again just based on roster. Sheer size, number, yeah, of kids know. going to these schools for sure. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of our talk about Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee. I thought it was just a, it was kind of a backhanded thing, but um, again, probably some of the last penalties we'll see for impermissible benefits, as you said. But yeah, saying, just just miss me with the whole. Yeah. Um, this was extreme punishment. It yeah. wasn't. No. It's uh, Twenty-eight scholarships is is important. But it's not as important as a scholarship was a few years ago, right? Uh, because if you pay a guy seventy-five grand a year, mm-hmm. well, then you know, okay, fine, we'll pay you seventy-five grand a year and uh, an additional seventy-five grand because you're not on scholarship, right? And they, they, there's creative ways, you know. There's the Coca-Cola scholarship or the Fannie Mae Ida Louise scholarship, but there's ways to get scholarship money for kids from inner city or from different schools or academic wise, they can make them the math work. It's but just not thing, an athletic scholarship. Not, yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's not an athletic right. scholarship. That's what the ban on, but sticking with college football for a minute, Drew, I got a question. I don't know if you saw, you know, this is the week of sec big 12 media days. Um, so a couple topics on that one, did you see what Jalen Daniels, the Kansas quarterback had on his chain at big 12 media days? I didn't. Was it a horns down? <laughs> no, it, was a horns it down. wasn't a horns down. That would have been fantastic. Yeah. But it looked like a little, uh, like an Apple Watch screen on a chain, uh-huh. and it was playing uh-huh. as highlights. So dumb. But I, it brings the question. I agree. I thought it was silly. If it was playing your highlights on that chain, what would they be? What would your highlights be? Oh, no doubt. Uh, Fifty-yard line at the Carolina Panthers game, <laughs> playing rock and roll music, uh, pre-game before a Thursday night football game against the New Orleans Saints. I love that's it's, what it would be. It's Long that before hair. the birth of your daughter or anything. Is that? <laughs> well, I'd be honest with you. If you got a video of the birth of my daughter, there's some pretty compromising <laughs> stuff that you could see in there. And, uh, maybe, maybe her first steps are are running up to me calling daddy. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. It would also be me on a stage at the 50-yard line of the Carolina Panthers team, rock and rolling. <laughs> so, it's highlights. There's lots of lots of clips and highlights. So. Yeah, sure. That would just be yeah. one of them. I heard that. Maybe uh, maybe our successes in 8U softball this year would be go. in one of them. There you go. Uh, you know. uh, I just I thought that was a one of the silliest chains I've seen in a long time. But you know, if he's he's a walking highlight reel, apparently is what he's putting off there. So, I mean, hey, he's. Props to him. Play, yeah. you, you've got some 
swagger at Kansas now. Mm-hmm. And so, lean into it. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time Kansas has ever been relevant in football, so let's go for it, man. They had a decent yeah, squad since, last year. Uh, and what was the what was the their old coach's name? Oh, big the big truck. guy, Charlie Weiss. No, it wasn't Charlie no, Weiss. He was, he was at Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Oh, well, uh, I can see. Him. Oh, I'll, uh-huh. that's gonna bug me. Hang on, you keep. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's big as a truck. They had some good uh, teams back in the day, and they would upset some people. Let's see. And I believe it's Lance ah, Leopold's account. Mark now. Mangino. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Of course, Mangino. Oh, okay, yeah. Big Italian mobster. Yeah, absolutely. Guy. My man's been eating pasta and bread since he came yeah. out the womb. So He's he, a henchman and a, and a college football He's coach. like that guy from the Browns, that offensive line coach that looked like a walrus on the oh, hard knocks. Yeah. Uh, when he goes Every to time he said hood, his belly would jump. <laughs> oh, that's something we need to talk about. Hard knocks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the Jets coming up on hard knocks. That's going to be incredible. I hope they give, like, unlimited access. They've already said, like, it's going to be different. We're not giving as much access. Aaron Rodgers has got his panties in a wad. Turn those cameras on and screw it. I want to see this man tripping balls on Mushroom in the locker room, Mushrooms in the locker room, seeing, like, what he's going through. (laughs) I just want to see him take a snap from the shotgun, turn 120 degrees, and hit Zach Wilson right in the face mask because you know he's going to absolutely whoops i thought we were running the bubble route i'm sorry here take this one to your ear hole. yeah i thought we were running a bubble screen there that's my bad yeah that's my bad yeah that should be a a, a good uh, a good season with all the personalities sauce gardner on that team like there's some personalities on that team that yeah. should be pretty good um but real quick back to the sec media days you know shout out uh, greg thank you like Again, the NCAA doesn't always get it right. The SEC doesn't always get it right. But uh, the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, came on in his opening press conference and gave a tribute to Mike Leach. You know, we documented Mike Leach's passing pretty well in his podcast back in the fall. And he came out and, and recanted a con- recalled a conversation with Coach Leach about just the – and I couldn't agree with this more – just the, the ignorance of neckties and why we have to wear neckties. One of the silliest accessories known to man. And Mike Leach was very anti-necktie. And so, to kick off the SEC media days, Greg Sankey shows up, sans tie, to kick off the conference. And a very classy move. Shout out, Commissioner Sankey, for doing that. That was pretty cool in my book. Yeah, I think it is cool. And ties are stupid. stupid. They're stupid. But like so Coach Lee cool. said, you use them like a napkin, like wiping your face with them, maybe we'll get them to go away. But right. ties are, neckties are dumb anyway to begin yeah, with. Yeah, they just, they just make it hard to breathe. They, they really do. like crazy. They really do. Uh, but that's Mike a, Leach was a man, a, a wise man. Very wise in many, many ways, and that was one of them. And his personality is sorely missed, but Mississippi State did drop a new helmet for the coming season with the state script on it that looks incredible. I love them. I think it's awesome. I've never been a fan of the M script, and I think it's time to retire that. It's a great step in the right direction. They've still got the M script on the top of the jerseys here. They could have done something cool with State or Miss State or something on there, but it's a step in the right direction. And we had them last year in those icy whites for a game, but it looks like that's going to be one of our mainstay helmets this coming year, and I'm yeah. stoked about it. I think it's going to be the primary helmet. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I can't wait. It looks so good. Yeah, they messed it up by doing it all maroon. Like, just go with white. Maroon's such a terrible color. You're wrong on that, for sure. But, but I mean, and I'm not saying that as an anti-Mississippi State thing. I went to Costa with High School. Yeah. I, wore I maroon. like maroon. I, I think it's a cool I color. I don't like it. It looks like... It nothing looks good on it, and just solid maroon. 
is just so I think it, it drab. There'll be a white one. We'll have a like an icy white game. We'll wear it on a road game. But I, you know, maybe I, I like it. I personally like the maroon helmet I love with the, the white script. script, the white face I've mask. I think it looks. Good. I've told you before, mm-hmm. Mississippi State's baseball uniforms that's got the script stayed yeah. across them, whether it be the pinstripes or. I think at one time you had like a solid cream or something. Mm-hmm. The cream ones a couple years ago. They're great. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it looks know. awesome. That state script, they've got it at the right angle. It looks good on the helmet. I think they'll keep tweaking it and playing with it, but there is some. Um, we're also going to wear – Maybe they won't screw this one up like they did the uh, MSU. You heard that story. The uh, You know, they, they let the uh, the uh, trademark for MSU mm, expire, expire without realizing it, and Michigan State swapped it up. That's why – We had to get rid no of the interlocking MSU. Yeah, that's why it no longer says MSU on the scoreboard or yep. anything like that. It's because they, lo- they let the dang trademark lapse. Yeah, which they announced that they're going to do one game this year. They're going to do a throwback uniform set to the 98 team that played in the SEC championship game against Tennessee that year. They're going to do a throwback jersey. So I'm curious what they're going to do with that because that was my favorite state helmet of all time was the interlocking MSU, and it was that year. So I'm curious what they're going to do with that. They'll probably do the Miss State jersey that we used to wear. Um, I'm curious how they're going to do that without that trademark. I'm, I'm excited. Maybe they'll be able to do like a one-off thing with it. But those, are, in my opinion, are the best Mississippi State helmets. Yeah. Pass. <laughs> um, yeah, so speaking of football, we'll kind of stay there. We talked some NFL a little bit. But Tennessee Titans made a bit of a splash this week. It's been rumored for a few weeks going on now, and I know Drew trying to kill my vibe about our Super Bowl odds not changing. But the Tennessee Titans – signed DeAndre Hopkins and it's funny how the media is like the narrative changes right like just two weeks ago he was this game changer thousand yard receiver coming off an injury but it's going to be great he's going to help the Patriots be this next level and Mac Jones develop and blah 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 and then all of a sudden he signs with the Titans and now oh he's going where receivers careers go to die and comparing him to Randy Moss and Julio Jones whose careers were actually dead and Andre Johnson whose careers were actually dead when they already already dead when they got there not necessarily killed by Tennessee, but it's just how funny how that changes over the course of a couple of weeks. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill is no Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, anything like Josh Allen, like nothing yeah. like that. I mean, yeah, let's say the obvious here. But he's a serviceable quarterback. Yeah, well, see, my problem is, is you only threw the ball – you were the – you threw the ball the third fewest times per game. Well, who are we gonna throw it to? We also like three fourths of our team was was dead and dying. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And if you tell me that that because he's got a true number one target and D Hop is is healthy and himself, that Ryan Tannehill looks better, I believe it because I've said on this podcast before, receivers make quarterback. Yeah, average quarterbacks look really good and then with now, with less than average receivers he had aj brown there for for a very short time but all he's done in 57 games with the titans is throw for over 12,000 yards he's been to the playoffs three out of four years he's been in tennessee he's been in the afc title game he's been back-to-back afc conference games like yeah, he, he's, that's a, he's not a, because he's a, of Tannehill, though but you gotta say that no he has lost us some games he has he, lost he lost that game against joe burrow and the Bengals by throwing a pick on our first and last won possession you any games but we've won with him and he's gotten uh, yeah. there in those positions i'm not but saying that's, an ex- that's a distinction that's important when you're talking about a receiver that you're adding here i think it's going it, to help brian Tannehill be better in the twilight of his career and i think it makes us better next year 100 percent. i think it's I going to make th- him a better quarterback you know hopkins was not good last year 
Uh, well, he missed half the season. In limited work. Yeah, because of a PED suspension, right. not because of an injury. Right. So, I mean, I, I get it. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be excited about it. I'm just saying that, and to me, the first thing I thought was, okay, this has been going on for a month, that he may go to the Titans. Why did he go now? Did all the other offers <laughs> get pulled? Like, Maybe. Because he's only got two years, $24 million. It's a very that, team, de- very team-friendly deal. Very team-friendly. Yeah, so, so you're telling me that, that you know, Team X paid him more money, but he chose the Titans? I don't know. I and I'm I'm not I'm trying not trying to be a hater. Uh I just think that when you had AJ Brown two years ago and you just signed AJ Brown ten years from now. I just paid AJ Brown. So the thing and I've heard that, but the thing is that's two different GMs, right? Not signing AJ Brown got our previous GM fired. So this is a completely different regime. Guarantee you any other GM with sense would have Resigned AJ Brown and not expected right. a first-year rookie out of Arkansas to come in and replace the production of an All-Pro receiver who competed in the Super Bowl this past year. So that argument is is dead to me, and I, I miss me with that because it's a completely different regime. I'm not I, fine. I, I get okay, fine, whatever. But but AJ Brown was better. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, I'm not, not, like that's like that's that's fine. But it's a completely different. Complete. That's apples and oranges. One of the things I did find that was funny, though, was now that DeAndre Hopkins is a Tennessee Titan, he is now the Titans' all-time leading receiver in er, of active players in current receiving touchdowns with 72. Drew, you may have seen this stat already in our show doc, but do you know who the number two leading receiver for touchdowns in a career for the Tennessee Titans is? Yeah. I do. It's our head Mike, coach, Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. He had 12. <laughs> so, like, DeAndre Hopkins is already going to be, like, the man, followed by Chris Moore with eight, Nick Westbrook, Ikine at seven, and Traylon Burks with one. So, like, we've got a, a, a receiver who can catch touchdowns. You know, is he the DeAndre Hopkins of five, six, seven years ago where he was the best in the league? Absolutely not. Is he Randy Moss and Julio Jones with a bad leg? I don't think so either. I think he's going to be somewhere in the middle. I think he makes us better. He gives us a deep threat. If nothing else, he can help give some room for Derrick Henry, Traylon Burks, Chingy under the middle to get some yards and get open. I think it makes us a better team. And look, if nothing else, like we were a number one in contention for the number one seed in the AFC until midway point of the season when half our team got hurt and we lost eight consecutive games and played trash football and still almost beat the Jaguars in the regular season finale to go to the playoffs outside of a couple botched calls by the refs and our long gone offensive coordinator, thank God. I think we're gonna yeah, be a better team next year and it's gonna it's and part of it's gonna be because of D hop. He's gonna catch hundred and seventy passes this year. <laughs> Absolutely. It's well, a, a Tanny Hill is the new meme of uh, a couple years ago when Pat Mahomes was like screw it, Tyreek's down there somewhere and screw yeah. it, uh D hop's down there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. One of the best ever at high pointing a football in traffic and coming down with the tough catches. What is DeAndre Hopkins? Hundred percent. And let me center this because I'm scared I'm coming off as a hater, and I'm not. I just I think that DeAndre Hopkins is, is obviously and a good ad for you guys mm-hmm. at a good price, and it's not going to hurt you, and it will help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Tennessee has also gotten a lot of flack. I've seen that meme going around a lot this week with. Uh, Andre Johnson and Randy Moss and 
and Julio Jones where their careers died in Tennessee as if that was Tennessee's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, those Tennessee teams were terrible, but it wasn't Tennessee's fault that they were. And those guys were on the decline anyway. Yeah. Um, so if you get a chance to go out and get Nuke, you go get Nuke. Yeah. And and throw it up, hope he stays healthy, tell him to stay off the deer antler spray or <laughs> whatever he was on whatever, to, to get popped for six games. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say about it, and this is a fun stat, uh, going back to Ryan Tannehill, Patrick Mahomes is 64-16 and 16 in the regular season. There are three quarterbacks who have beaten him twice in the regular season. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Ryan Tannehill. Regular season. No matter. Regular season, man. We got we got yeah. wins where we can get them, man. Got to take them where you, you know, can get them. Patrick Mahomes at one point had never lost to Joe Burrow until they faced each other in the AFC Championship game. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> so you know, and yeah, then Patrick and Mahomes ripped his heart out. Outside of Josh Downing, we were up two touchdowns going going in to go up a third touchdown on Pat Mahomes in the playoffs, and then all of a sudden we went away from Derrick Henry, who they had no answer for. And again, Pat Mahomes may have won that game regardless, but we were keeping Pat Mahomes on the sideline, up two touchdowns, heading for a third. Ryan Tannehill throws a pick, and the rest, as they say, is history. But, Drew, I know there's another hot topic in the NFL both of us have been kind of itching to talk about, and it's the lack of respect and payment for some of these top-tier running backs. So this past week was the deadline to sign contract extensions, to sign franchise tenders, and to be able to report for fall camp that's coming up, summer workouts and stuff. And so arguably one of the best running backs in the league, um, you know, or the top list, top tier, three of the top tier running backs left this week without a contract. And Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard, three fantasy football stalwarts who helped some of Dalvin our teams. Cook has Dalvin already Cook, been released. Yeah, already been released, didn't get a contract. So, like, the only guys that are getting paid right now are CMC and Derrick Henry at the top of that list. Austin Eckler has a new deal, but, like, those are three really, really good running backs, and I think it's a statement to where the NFL is now and where they're investing their money. Not so much in workhorse running backs like the 90s when we saw Thurman Thomas and Emmitt Smith and Jerome Bettis getting the biggest deals on the team. That's more going to the A.J. Browns and the quarterbacks and these other players, but it's still kind of a head-scratcher to see guys of that quality without a deal knowing that, I mean, they have the right to sit out a season or sit out until they get a trade. Yeah, so I'm going to say two things here. Uh, first, if you feel like you're worth more money, then you sit out, you do what you got to do to try to get the bag that you want. Saquon Barkley, rookie, former rookie of the year, he's worth it more, more times than not. Uh, Dalvin Cook is a proven running back. Uh Josh Jacobs led the NFL in rushing yards last year. Had an incredible breakout year last year. Uh, Austin Eckler is one of the best two-way running backs in football, if not the best, when you talk about pass catching and rushing. One of the best to do it since LaDainian Tomlinson out of the backfield like that. Absolutely. And so go get what you think you're worth. Don't take a discount if if you think that you're – if it's worth it for you to sit out to get the contract, then then you do you. I'm all I'm a capitalist. Yep. Through Secondly, next. <laughs> you see the way the NFL is going, yep. right? I mean, there is not a team outside of the Tennessee Titans and <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers that don't employ a running back by committee. 
100%. You see what the contract that Ezekiel Elliott got the Dallas Cowboys in the later years of that contract was a boat anchor. Yeah. It happens more times than not. And it's not anything against the running back position, but it's investing in what is working right now, which is young receivers. You invest a lot of money in running backs, and that is the position that's got arguably the shortest shelf life of any major position in sports mm. is the running back position. You, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott was incredible for like four years, and then he didn't have it anymore. You're talking about Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's wanting a bag from a team that got burnt by Ezekiel Elliott. Yep. I mean, I get it both ways. I get that the players want more money, but if I'm a GM – the only one out of that bunch that I'd be willing to pony up for is Austin Eckler or yeah. Tony Pollard. Yeah. Absolutely. And because they fit that mold of where the NFL is going, the bruising running backs that back in the day are gone. Like, I mean, you saw David Montgomery, who was that for Chicago, got dealt for nothing uh, and let walk, and now he's in Detroit, which there was a really funny video of him getting pulled back by that uh, that 20-pound weight but uh, on that bungee cord. But, like, right. the, the, the big bruising running backs are gone, and so it's more of those shifty guys like Austin Eckler. It's more of the Tony Pollards. But, like you said, good luck getting a, a fat contract from Dallas after what they went through with Ezekiel Elliott. And so, yeah, and, I mean, you, look at, you even look at how much they're investing draft capital in. Mm-hmm. Up until this last draft with B. John Robinson going in the top ten, we talked about it on this podcast, the last quarterback taken in – I mean, running back taken in the top ten was Saquon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Najee was like mid-first mid round, uh, mid-late mid first round. Yeah, I think he was like maybe Josh 18. Jacobs was a second-round mm-hmm. pick. Austin Eckler, I think, was undrafted. Yeah, and so it just shows like the average NFL career for a running back is is two and a half years, and so it's a very short shelf life. You know, you've got the guys, and there are exceptions to the rule. Shady McCoy played forever, but he plays more of that same style of of football like an Austin Eckler. You had Ladainian Thompson played for a long time. Jerome Bettis is a, is an exception to the rule with a, as a big bruising running back, but. The days that those guys getting those fat long-term deals are gone because of the history of the position. It's an unfortunate thing. They just don't last forever. The teams are going to invest their money in other places. Protection for the quarterback. Receivers, because it's such a pass-happy league. You know, a great tight end if you can find one, like a Travis Kelsey or in that vein. Um, you don't, you're going to invest that money elsewhere besides the running back position where that money it's all about ROI and that return and that invest that return on that investment may not ever come if you give them a fat contract. Yeah, I mean there's just so much value in later rounds for at the running back position. Yeah. And so if you, it's it's more beneficial to you to take a flyer on three running backs between rounds of 4 and 7 than it is for you to take a swing at somebody knowing that they're going to be wanting $20 million a year mm-hmm. in three years. Yep. Like, I get it. As a GM, you look at the most impactful player to come out of the draft in the last three years is Justin Jefferson. Right. C.D. Lamb. Um, the, Jamar uh, Chase. Jamar Chase. I mean, these are the guys that are setting the world on fire. Yeah. And, I mean, I look at all this, and it, it's not applicable here. You look at it through fantasy as well. It's like that's who performs mm-hmm. in fantasy. That's who performs in real life. That's the game changers. Is the is is the pass catchers, the yeah. dynamic pass catchers, 
and the running backs are used as a change of pace, you know, to keep you honest more than it is to be impactful. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, with the exception of Derrick Henry, which he's the exception to every rule that's ever been <laughs> about, written about running backs, you know, you look at uh, what what's his name? Uh, he burned me so bad in fantasy uh, one year. Um, uh, the uh, Todd Gurley. Oh yeah. Todd Gurley burned hot and burned out fast. Fast. And knees were yeah. terrible when he left Georgia. Yeah. Which was I mean, the MO for Alabama yeah, running backs. For, no, it's an MO for a lot of Alabama running backs too. Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson were burning out like that. A couple of other big time guys. Yeah. And well Mark Ingram lasted a long time. That's fair. You do He's, not besmirch Mark Ingram that's fair. New Orleans Saints. Uh, apologies. Uh, uh he is he he is a what is that uh there was a uh I believe it was Josh Robinson, the old Mississippi State running, running back. back. Yeah, 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 the bowling ball. So they said legs. he was a bowling ball of butcher knives. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's Mark Ingram. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's just, the NFL's going away from them. It's part of it's part of evolution of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, used to it was three yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah. And now it's it's like the NBA. It's pace and space. You know, yeah. just like the big lug seven foot two. Mm-hmm. Uh, center with post moves doesn't exist anymore the bruising running back is not going to yeah. exist anymore except it, for in special special occasions like Derrick Henry it's gone of the days are the colossal tackles from back in the day too right those colossal left tackles that were just they didn't move all that great but you could not get around them just because they were yeah, massive like Orlando Pace right uh, yeah. Willie Sneed like those guys are gone now it's more the Jason Kelsey's of the world that are quick versatile, athletic very uh-huh. versatile Pass pro. Absolutely, because they got to be able to pull and move and, and get down the field with these RPOs. And, right. And a lot of this is Hal Mummy and Mike Leach developing this this, yeah. air, this air raid attack, and that's where the state of the NFL is now. So, Yeah. You look at uh, – I'm curious to see how Zach Evans does in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, he was just drafted uh, out of Ole Miss. He did one year at Ole Miss after TCU. Lane has done that adapted uh, – uh, Fun and gun, you know the uh, what? What was it? I'm just I'm just blanking. What's air raid? Mm-hmm. It wasn't air raid. It was air raid, but uh, Lane well, the run the ball out of the air raid, mm-hmm. uh, out of the shotgun. I'm curious to see how somebody like that stacks up in the NFL. He went to the Ra- the Rams. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's got a chance to fit there if he can keep his head clean. Yeah, I think you need a guy like a Lamar Jackson or a quick athletic quarterback that can complement that. Matt Stafford may not be the guy that does right. that with him, but you know, get him in space. Austin Eckler plays really well alongside uh well Philip Rivers Herbert. and now uh Justin Herbert and either I mean Congratulations. Herbert. Oh yeah. Philip <laughs> Rivers, by the way. Baby number ten. Hey, hey buddy, I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> You you've got you've got ten, and so you could be all time quarterback with your own family. That's it. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> we in this thing, right? Yeah. We yeah. Uh, oh, we almost set a full basketball squad. Yeah. You just wait. Nothing will ever be. Speaking of hard knocks, they showed the. I saw the clip this week of Antonio Rogers Cromartie sitting there counting out all of his kids, and he had like eight three year olds. <laughs> yeah. 
Him and Nick Cannon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They're single-handedly doing their best to keep the world population at, at an all-time high. Yeah. They're killing the ozone layer. <laughs> Too much carbon dioxide. That's it. Because because Nick Cannon and yeah. Antonio Rogers Cromartie won't get a vasectomy. That's it. you got 17 kids apiece, man, running around yeah. here. But it was just funny. He just <laughs> kept Bill saying. Rivers. It was like seven or eight kids. He's three. He's three. About to be three. Just turned three. <laughs> it's like. There's hmm. no way. He's got to have an assistant just to buy birthday presents. I mean, that's it. To keep up with the birthdays. It's wild. Right. Right. Last topic I got for us tonight, man, is a big major in professional golf across the pond is getting ready to kick off this weekend. One of the better events. Uh, it's at Liverpool this weekend. I have a buddy, uh, Ryan Minmuir, who is over there. He flew in oh, nice. yesterday, was texting our golf group chat some pictures of being there and talking about, he said, you know, the, the weather is similar to that at Brookline, one of their golf courses they play up in Massachusetts, he said, but the foliage is not nearly as good as it's just these flat green grounds where the right. golf course is. Uh, he showed us the tee box for number 18, and Drew, I would I would murder somebody because there's an elevated TV camera on the right, and then patrons on the left or, or, or fans on the left-hand side here. So I would do one of two things. I would either hit that man at the camera, or I would overcompensate and duck it, hook it into the grandma in the first row over here. Either yeah. way, leaving an indelible mark on the British Open's 18 yeah. tee box. Uh, the only thing I don't like, I hate, sporting events across the pond because it messes up the TV schedule. Yeah, I didn't get to see Rory win live. I had to watch it late uh, last week on Sunday afternoon after I got to playing golf. I mean, I knew yeah, he won, so that but was I didn't in get to Scotland. see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same thing with Wimbledon. The Wimbledon final started at like 7 a.m. <laughs> so luckily, it went five sets. By the time I got home from church, it was still on. Yeah, you can you watch know? it. Uh, you know, but four hours of forty minutes of tennis. But I pulled up some of the odds. Some of the odds this year are interesting. There's definitely some bold moves. Um, Rory McIlroy is your odds-on favorite, plus five twenty-five to win, followed by Scotty Scheffler at seven fifty, John Rahm and Ricky Fowler at twelve hundred, Tommy Fleetwood, Victor Hovland, who I'm getting more and more of a fan of. I like him. Cameron Smith, last he year's looks like champ. An idiot. Who's He's that? got the worst shirts in all of golf. Who? Victor Hovland. Yes. He always looks like he's he's been hanging out with Aaron Rodgers though. He's always got that like glassy eyed grin going. Yeah. He's a hilarious guy. Um, it is it, it, Cam Smith are all tied at, at fifteen hundred, followed by Kepka, Shoffley. But one of the surprising is uh, top ten stalwart Jordan Spieth. Oddsmakers don't even think you are gonna make the top ten this weekend. Yeah, I'm not gonna pretend to be able to dissect golf games and how they play on golf courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially link style at the U- the the Open Championship. Uh, so I'm just gonna go. I'm rooting for Ricky and Rory, and then I'm rooting for a close a something close down the back nine on yeah, Sunday. I agree. Rory has been over a decade since he won his last Open Championship event, and. It would be nice to see him get that monkey off his back. You know, there's some great personalities, like you said. Rory, Ricky Fowler's been playing really good golf lately. Cam Smith always shows up at the British Open, and he's been talking a little trash this week about getting ready to drink out of the jug. He told us, he said, I told my mates that we're only going to be without it for a week, and we'll be drinking out of it again this time yeah. come Sunday, which I thought was he's funny. He's a defending champion. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's an interesting field, and, and – you know, I think there's. I think it'll be some good golf. The weather looks good. Ryan's been sending some pictures of drinking beer and eating ice cream all up and down there. I'm like, I'm sitting here at work, man, and you're out there eating ice cream. And- yeah, don't send me those pictures. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
uh, I was listening to a podcast today. Uh, so Fleetwood, that's like his home course, mm-hmm. and so that's why he's such a high favorite. He's never won a major, but he seems to always be in contention. So coming down the stretch, if he's in contention, that that would be a good story. Yeah, he's always um, one of those guys in the final pairings that he was in the final pairing last week in uh, in Scotland, and so it would be nice to see him break the seal at his home course. But no one more than Ricky. I want to see Ricky break the seal. Yeah, he's 1,200, so some people think he can do it. Tie with John Rahms, so he's got the uh, third best odds in the field. So I'd love it, man. He's been playing good golf recently, and obviously the U.S. Open got everybody fired up and pulling for him again. So it'd be nice for him to get that monkey off his back. Well, uh, obviously our buddy Jake Matthews, big Puma guy, works for Puma now. So we'll all be rooting for you, Ricky, uh, to go win that that cup. Get him on the podcast. Why don't we? Why is he not oh, been yeah, on? I'll I want to. I want to talk about. I want to talk about that industry, especially after watching Air. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about the, you know, the signature, Michael Jordan basketball sneaker, the first ever signature shoe. Yep. I'm curious in that kind of stuff. Yep. I don't. I know Puma. Puma's got a presence, a uh, worldwide especially in the presence. NBA. Yeah. You know, um, which is the king when it comes to signature shoes is the yeah. NBA the basketball shoes. Yeah, especially like their off-court shoes. They're big in the soccer world, too. I mean, there's a lot going on there. So I was thinking about Jake this week, seeing if we can get him on during the sports downtime. So, Jake, if you're still listening to us at this point, which I'm sure you are, we're going to get you on the podcast here soon, buddy. Um, one last thing I've got. i got a recommendation. Me, along with every other person on the face of the earth, watched Quarterback, and the new Netflix documentary detailing the seasons of Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota, and Kirk Cousins. And I want to be the one out in front saying that I am now rooting for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he's just such a good I'm guy. I'm telling you. So, he's always kind of been the weirdo dad, you know, my wife picks out my clothes. Bouncing you know, with the chains kind, on the plane. You know, you know, always good, never great. I'm really rooting for him to make a a, a splash here and really break through because he's just – it's something that I've valued since becoming married and now having kids and having a job that a lot of times require me to be able to – I mean, have to be away from my family for lengths of time. Um, what he does uh, – spoiler alert for – it's not a big detail – uh, and I, me and Rusty talked pre-show. I don't think you've seen this yet. But they detail his Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. So he said, most people think this is just stupid. I'm a starting quarterback, one of 32 in the world, in the NFL. I do not work on Tuesdays. I told him that from the get-go. Tuesdays are for my wife and kids. Uh, football season is 18 weeks long in the regular season. Uh, six days a week, I am pulled I've got charity stuff. I've got practice. I've got film. I've got training. I've got rehab. Tuesdays are for my family. And every day to start, every Tuesday when he starts off, he takes his kids to preschool and him and his wife just hang out. And maybe it's the sap in me (laughs) that just craves that. Like I tell my wife all the time, like, can we get rid of these kids and just, like, be together? Do our thing. Um, And I'm. It really just hit home, and I'm like, you know, for uh, the machine that is the NFL and the money generator and the, the capitalist in me, you know, you make your money while you can. It's all about winning, and and for the teams that I root for, I just want them to be machines, and I want them to 
to do whatever it takes to win at all times. Who cares? To see him just be like, you know what? You know, I'm, I try really hard. I do everything I can. But I'm also a husband and a father and a Christian man that's not going to compromise my values or my time with my family. I was just like, you know what? Yeah. I'm glad somebody gave him the platform to yeah. say that. Yeah. Because it's just a mindset that is so foreign in professional sports mm-hmm. and and honestly when it comes out that you do things like that and without the proper the depth of context and the backstory people pick you apart and want to you know you're a quarterback that you don't you don't want it enough you don't try enough you don't you're not totally committed if you take one seventh of the week completely off and don't even talk about football like no there are things that are bigger than this and I yeah. appreciated seeing that and so that's my plug for uh, for quarterback on Netflix it's good it's it's really good and it it, it kind of fit it was kind of the perfect time for them to focus on those three quarterbacks in particular because you had Mariota in his first year in Atlanta who uh is kind of fighting off or trying to fight off a rookie that they invested draft capital in while also trying to resurrect his career as a starting quarterback. Yep. And then you've got Cousins who uh, went, uh, what was it, 15-3 and three this year, 14-4, mm-hmm. and four, uh, really had them cruising through the regular season, including the largest comeback in NFL history, if you remember that. Down 33 to nothing and came back in right. Uh, so you got that in the documentary. And then you got Patrick Mahomes winning the Super Bowl. Which is just, it's, uh, it's a great game, and it's three big personalities, like you said, right. in different phases of their career. For me with Kirk Cousins, it was cool what they showed. It really stood out to me was after the, in the first episode, after they played the game on Sunday, he just goes back home and builds a bonfire with his kids and just sits around the bonfire and just like talks and is a dad after having like, this major right. football game that we all think is just the end-all, be-all, and we've been looking forward to it all offseason. It's the first game of the year, and then he just goes home and builds a bonfire with his kids and maybe appreciate some of the humanity side of it. Like you said, I already had a, a kind of a soft spot for him. He seemed like a good dude, and so far it's only made that better. It's maybe like Pat Mahomes' wife even less, and it's just cool you know, to see. I'll be honest with you. It came across a little different for me. Yeah? Yeah, she's loud and her voice is annoying. But she was not as crazy as I expected her to be portrayed. Maybe my own preconceived notions and what I expected going into watching it. And that could be why. a little bit too wild. Yeah. But, listen, I'm telling you what. If I'm starting quarterback in the Super Bowl and my wife ain't standing in a chair and screaming, (laughs) then me and her are going to have problems. We got a different conversation (laughs) to have, for sure. Yeah. But this is the first of a couple good football documentaries coming out. We've got one coming out about Johnny Manziel. We've got one coming out about that wild Florida team that had everything from Tim Tebow and racist Riley Cooper to Aaron Hernandez and Urban Meyer and the Pouncey brothers. Like, We've got some good football documentaries coming out in the next month that will pacify us. I think both of those are being rumored to come out in August sometime, which will be leading right up to the teeth of college football. And it looks like, yeah, Johnny Football, Swamp Kings are all both coming out uh, through the untold beginning yeah, August so the these 1st. Are the, the same people 
that the uh, the Manta Teo, which was so well done, it was such a uh, good documentary. And so, and I'm, they did several I'm, other that were good in that series, but that was the biggest one that got right. the most hype. Yeah, I've watched a few of them. I the one about the female boxer movie. was really good, whose husband tried to kill her. That one was fantastic. You need uh, to watch that one. It was good. I uh, I'm probably most looking forward to the Barry Bonds one. Mm-hmm. Going, oh yeah, 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 Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, yeah, the Florida thing is interesting. Yeah, it's the uh, Hall of Shame. Just because it got one. out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, that one may be a little hard to watch, so, along with the Manziel. Yeah. You know, because Manziel was just... Uh, a, he was living on another planet than the rest of us. For sure. It was just it was just peak human performance for those couple of seasons in College Station. It just never panned out, and he just... Had he had a, like a childhood star arc yeah. to him. I mean, know? just a quick burnout, man. And those that Florida team was just the gamut that it ran in personalities and backstories. The WWE could not come up with a better backstory than that Florida team had. Yeah, I mean, you got you comp, you contrast. Yeah. Look at the dichotomy between Tim Tebow Any and Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Cam uh, Cam Newton was on that team for a brief period before he got caught stealing right. laptops. I mean, that's just true. A, what a team, man! Like, what could have been with that team? I mean, it could have very easily been. Well, they up won there. two, right? Right. They just win one. I think they won one, and they lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game the next year because they won in 08, Alabama won in 09. That McCarron. Yeah, and no, no, that was McElroy. Uh, that was McElroy beating. That's when they beat Texas and uh, Colt McCoy. Well, Colt McCoy for like a possession. Yeah. Um, but that team like could have been up there talent wise, just with what they produced in the league with that Oh one Miami team with so many players and stars on that, but just so like so many guys getting in their own way. And I, anyway, I'm excited to see that we got hall of shame, which is the Barry bonds, Johnny football, swamp Kings about Florida. We'll be some good documentaries coming up. There was one more. I remember. It oh, it's Jake it, Paul. Oh, it's about Jake Paul. Jake Paul. That that one will be interesting too. Yeah, Jake Paul, the problem child, is what it's called. I'm. I don't know. I just I get enough of Jake Paul and the little bit that he pops up on my Twitter feed. Then I don't know that I'll I'll, I'll probably watch it just as a to watch because those are good documentaries. But he gets on my nerves. Well, uh, I saw another documentary coming out, and I'm going to just give you the floor and let you talk about it. Uh, I saw where the people that did the golf documentary and the Formula One documentary, the next documentary that they're going to tackle is over the U.S. women's national team. So tell me what you think about that. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Give me all your thoughts right now. <laughs> oh, way to put me on the spot. It's getting careful. hot in here. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, when we get big and famous, we may have to go back and edit this episode. But yeah. I'm curious how they're going to present that. <laughs> yeah. Curious how oh, they're going to present that. <laughs> we all know how they're going to present that. So in all the uh, uh, the infactualities. Anyway, so Drew, tell them where they can find us. <laughs> uh, well, this episode maybe you can find in the garbage. <laughs> in, <a few> years. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube. If you search the Two Buck Sports Podcast, uh, keep up with us on Instagram at the number Two Buck Sports Podcast. Uh, Rusty does a really good job of of hitting up everybody for uh different questions different polls uh stuff to try to generate some feedback and some uh dialogue with the people that listen to us uh if you do participate in that uh, we do appreciate you even though uh, i completely for, forgot to bring that up on this episode because we dove right in yeah um 
And so we'll save that. that Next week. That, that was a topic. It was if you could pick one sporting event to have tickets for the, for the rest of your life, what would it be? We got some good right? ones. Yeah, we got some good ones that'll that'll be worth deep diving in. I don't want to rush it here at the end of the episode. We'll save that yeah. for the beginning of next week. So we'll put a pin in that till next week. And uh, in the meantime, just uh, just holler at us. You know, uh, if you won our bracket challenge, please reach out to us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is uh, the middle of July, and we have not found who the winner. Of our March Madness bracket was still on a T-shirt. You know, we we're, we're not flaking, but you're not claiming it either. Yeah. So you could have a one of one, the original signed two bucks sports podcast T-shirt. <laughs> but but you got to claim it. Yeah. I don't even remember what the folks' name was now, but I got I'm I think uh, I've even deleted the app. I'd have to open it back up and look. <laughs> so, but if you're listening right. out there, maybe you're one of our our listeners in Brussels, Belgium. Or France, where you're listening to us overseas, please let us know if you won. But Drew, as always, man, hope you get to feeling better, you get them kids around, get you sick all the time. But uh, glad to see you up and healthy and not chasing thunderstorms. There were some bad thunderstorms that rolled through that area. Memphis had 138,000 people without power. Man, Memphis got hit hard. And, and that, it, it did in Raleigh, too. It came right on over and hit Raleigh. Inside baseball in the power industry where I'm at, if Memphis gets hard, I buckle up. and. Mm. We we fought it for about seven or eight hours last night. Got home about three thirty. All things considered, considering the storms that we've had this last year, uh, that was just a normal Tuesday. So, uh, uh, everybody in Memphis, be safe, uh, and hopefully MLG and W can get you straight. Yeah. But uh, until then, until next Wednesday when we record again, and next Thursday when you guys hear it, hope you all have a good week. And uh, keep us in your minds and holler at us whenever you've got a thought. Bye, guys.